Welcome to Tuke Talk, a video podcast by the band Tuke, and brought to you by Blackfrog Media. We chat with the best in the music industry from yesterday and today with a focus on the good old days of Canadian rock. This episode originally streamed live on Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020 on Facebook Live. Now, here are your hosts, Todd, Brent, Shane, Corey, and Darren. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And <laughs> <laughs> we're live. Wow. Nice. Uh, we're Darren gave us a countdown, so I just felt like that always, was always, the appropriate always, thing yeah. to say. Celebrating, <laughs> celebrating early. Yeah. Episode How's 11. How's it going? Episode 11. How's everybody? Hi. 11. That's Holy. It. Welcome to Tuke Talk, everybody. Crazy. Hi. So crazy. 11. We got a good show today. Ten weeks ago we started this thing. It's been crazy. 11 weeks it's been crazy. ago, yeah. Isn't that mental? Mm-hmm. And we're, uh, we're starting a trend, I see. I see everybody's yeah. doing a show now. Really? Yeah. Not as good as oh. ours, though. Who else? No. Not as Canadian, not, not as, as good. Canadian. And, uh, no. I mean... That's true. Yeah, it's 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 it's. If you can find better Canadian content, you're that's watching right. CBC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That's a, that's Shit's my wife's crazy. favorite show. Yeah. Are you watching Park Boys? I'm not, yeah. I do love that show. We're along to be. I'm fully. Every stop I make, I'm making new friends. <laughs> Can't stay for long. Keep moving on. I'm home with back again. Isn't that the, the, so? The Littlest Hobo was that not a CTV show? I'm not sure oh, what's it. I don't know. I, I, I just assumed it was CBC, but you could be right. That's such a generation. That's the Beachcombers. Oh yeah. Beachcombers. Yeah, that's a that's a very recent, uh, really topical yeah. show. We're well, can up you there. think of what would, what would you consider to be the ultimate classic Canadian show? Ultimate classic. Tommy Hunter. Show? Definition. Tommy Hunter. There's a few, yeah. <laughs> oh, definition. Of course, definition made popular yeah, by uh, Mike Thank Myers. You. Yeah. Again, yeah. That's right. Yeah. SCTV, yeah. SCTV, of course. SCTV. Tommy Hunter's definitely up there. Wayne and Tommy Schuster. Hunter for sure, though. Yeah. 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 Oh, good one. Wayne oh, yeah. yeah. How about Smith go. and Smith? Smith and yep. Smith. Was it? Uh, bizarre. Bizarre. Bizarre is great. John, John Biner. Who was not Dave Osborne. Came John down. Biner was not Canadian. And, and what was the uh, uh, yeah. uh, the handy guy there? The, uh, if you can't be ha- handsome, be handy. Red well, Green. Was, there uh, you the go. Red, yeah. green red Green Show. show. Red oh. Green, yeah. And wasn't he, wasn't he part so, of Smith, yeah. Smith and Smith? He was the... the he was the that was his alternate of, character. Yeah. yeah. What about the nature of things? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, still He's still, still awesome. Forest Rangers. <laughs> Which one? Forest Rangers. Forest Rangers. Danger Bay. Of course, we, Bay. we can't go without saying I Degrassi just, Junior High, who has spawned some of the... Degrassi. I mean, yes. That's, that's, that's off-breaking. I'm just like you, Darren. Because I left way before all that. Before Degrassi. What about, yeah. you can't do that on television. It was. was that Canadian? That was, or not? Uh, that's Canadian. Yeah. That what was that the guy's name? Barf? I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was, was Emergency, was that Canadian? No. I think so. No, but I love that show. Like Grandpa. Adam 12 and Emergency were like, yeah. uh, I love those 70s kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey. There's, there's probably a million more Canadian type shows that exist in in. Yeah, for younger people now, but those are the ones we grew up on. The Friendly Giant, The Friendly Giant would be a good one. Mr. Dress Up. Dress Up, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then in... Uh-huh. What's the show that 
Um, Adam Beach has been on. Oh, um, Dan? Dan? That was Danger Bay. No, it wasn't Danger Bay. It north, was, uh, north of 60, Alaska. is that the one? It was an Alaskan show. North of 60, yeah. There's another one. Yeah, it's something to do and with... If, uh, God. Alex Bonovic is in it, too. That, that was in the one that... And then what's uh, that? Corner Gas. I don't know if that was one. Yeah. yeah. Corner Gas. Gas. Right. Corner Gas has found a whole new audience in, in like through Netflix and stuff, or Hulu, or wherever yeah. it's at. Because Hulu, yeah. People, people will say to me, like, you're from Saskatchewan, Or, right? or, or we... <laughs> like, oh, and we can't, let me guess. You're... Let me guess. What about uh, not, Trailer Park Boys? We can't not say. Um, I was just yeah. going to say, yeah, of course, of course. That's probably the furthest reaching of all the shows right now. I think that. Uh, uh, I mean, Foo so. Never, Foo Bar made never really made it anywhere. Else. I just watched a. I just watched a thing. Oh, I listened to a a a podcast with Ed Helms. You know, Ed Helms from The Hangover and The Office and all those shows. Mm-hmm. He was just doing a movie. He's just making a movie, and he goes. Um, yeah, the director, I forget the, forget the name now, which I should know, but he goes, uh, he made these great films uh, called Fubar. And I go, what? I go, <laughs> it took me a second. I go, what? He goes, yeah, there are these really great, like, I don't even think he said Canadian. He just said, yeah, there's these two films called Fubar. And I go, wow. Yeah, I well, if anybody watching out, hasn't yeah. checked those out, I mean, that's the ultimate Canadian duo right there. I mean, that uh, that pretty much sums yeah. up everything that you'll ever want to know about Canada, especially the, the, the especially the prairies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Did, did that did that precede Wayne and Garth? Because similar sort of characters, right? Fubar Fubar were years after, yeah, but really, I mean, it I kind think, of. I think they they may. Yeah, I don't perfect. know if there's any direct uh, comparison, but but you know that. Uh, Myers was doing that character in Canada for years. Like he did it on hmm. like uh, SNL. He, he, yeah, he did it on SNL, but he was, but he had done. He was doing it in Canada before he ever went to SNL because it yeah, was sort that, of like it was sort of like your Canadian like Sarnia dude or whatever. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and then he went to you know. Then all of a sudden they based him out of uh, you know Chicago suburbs or whatever, and and sort of sort of changed it. That's why there's a donut shop called Stan Makita's, which is based on the Tim Nice. <laughs> yeah. Chicago Blackhawk, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Don't you love how uh, Bob and Doug from SCTV, Bob and Doug McKenzie, mm. have now uh, been in the orbit recently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's not. It's not. Probably not Rick Moranis and Dave. Uh, what was Thomas. His name? Thomas. Dave Thomas. Thomas. No, not those guys. <laughs> should be. Yeah. yeah. Should be though. It should. Be, though, yeah. Did you know it was Ian Thomas that wrote the song "Take Off"? Uh, no Dave way. Thomas's brother. Yeah, Ian, Ian Thomas oh, was. Oh wow. Uh, he's a popular singer. Uh, he had some hits back then. Um, Painted yeah. ladies. Yeah, and he could do he could do an amazing hoser voice. By the way, he, he would. He, would he, he originated it apparently. <laughs> apparently, Dave Thomas got it from Ian. There you go. So it's basically like some sort of like exaggerated. It's exaggerated, right? It's exaggerated, right? That's an exaggerated accent. Like we don't sound like Todd. Exaggerated. Todd's answering questions, and everybody <laughs> is wondering who you're answering to. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to the to the. I'm getting yeah, exactly. By Jeff <laughs> yeah, I guess we uh, we usually run this thing through. But just just to recap, I mean, anything interesting going on in personal lives over the last week? Anything uh, share worthy? What's going on? Yeah. Seven days sitting right here waiting for this to fire up. I sit right here the yeah. whole time. Just kind of... <laughs> go. Corey? Well, yesterday I had a huge day. I went on a 17-mile hike. Damn. Pretty epic. Was, uh, that like, was that like, were you being punished for something? Or? 
It was so fun. We went from the tallest point in the Santa Monica Mountains, which is uh, Sandstone Peak on Boney Mountain, and then we went all the way down to the ocean. Down. Wow. So yep. where, whereabouts in the ocean do you end up? It's, uh, it's a place called Point uh, Point Mugu State Park. It's oh. if you were if you were in Malibu and you kept going north on the PCH, you okay. would, and you cross into Ventura County, then you would get in that area. Pacific, so it's Pacific Coast Highway. For anybody yeah, exactly. Pacific Coast Highway. Is that past Zuma, like where they filmed Baywatch and all that? Way past, yeah, way north from way there. Way past. Oh, yeah, past. I should say west. So Corey, have you completed this entire like? trip to Mordor that you're taking before your no, birthday? I have one more section, which I'm doing on my birthday. Did you do it with Samwise Gamgee? That's all I want to know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you yeah. have one more. Well, how long? How much further do you have to go? I got about nine more miles. Damn. And, so and, seven, uh, 17 miles is 27 kilometers for those of you. That yeah. Know. That's a Holy, long way. That's a long way, dude. Why? And that's all on foot. Yeah. We just walked it all. Uh, it was how, with, long, uh, how long did it take? Shania bass player took exactly seven and a half hours. Wow! So, wow! You know, and that was with probably a half an hour lunch break. And what was the heat like in California? Because if you did that here, you would be dead in twenty minutes. Yeah, no, it was really, it was a perfect day for. It was we started really early in the morning, so it was cool in the morning, and then the far the closer we got to the ocean, the cooler it got. And the more of a like an offshore, yeah, of course, yeah. re- the sea breeze was coming and, in. And you did it with Derek Frank, who plays bass for Shania and Gwen Stefani, and who actually played for Tuke one night. Just filled in. At yeah. The, uh, the uh, Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike. Yeah, we did one yep. one show, just a random show, and and, and Derek yep. got up and played bass. Kyle Whalem, uh, the current bass player for Kelly Clarkson. Oh, really? Wow. He's in the house band. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first time we did a hike with him. He's now that guy is super, super fit. He he goes on like these hundred mile races. Yeah. Wow. So like that's a hundred miles of running without stopping. Like when oh, you kind of eat, eat as you go, and yeah, really and how really do you? Intense. So you're eating while you're running, like <laughs> like I mentioned a, a plate of pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of goos or something. Guy like, drives up with the, the taco truck. Drives up, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know how those guys do it. They have those gels. Oh, okay. gels. Yeah. No, I don't uh, know how they do that. That's crazy. Good for him. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so it was a walk in the park for him to do. Wow. You know, seventeen of miles. Of course. Yeah, yeah. For him, that's yeah. way less than a hundred miles. Well, yeah, I did bike uh, 32 kilometers on Saturday, guys. It's not quite the hike you did, but that was I hadn't biked in months. And uh, Lee Ren and I just said we better go for it. It was a super nice day, and uh, you know, 32 clicks after we uh, after we got back. Amazing, good for you. Yeah, that's impressive. Got to got to get rid of my COVID uh, body body shape going on these days. <laughs> and I watched I watched all seven seasons of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. So there's that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was it, to be honest. I started it, started it back when the uh, you know when this all started. It was just sort of slowly kind of happened. And I go, man, we're at the last episode here. What there the hell? Go, yeah. <laughs> I am home. That's for sure. You got a big day tomorrow. Really? Tomorrow. We're gonna go there? <laughs> no, that's why I left well, it. Now we have to sort of embellish on that. You can. Yeah. You, I'm are actually you getting, getting vasectomy or something. What's going on? No. Oh, Put no. it this way. He's angry. <laughs> He's angry right now. 
I'm going to get a. It's just a screening, but it's a colonoscopy. Ah. Today I'm fasting. Actually, I started today, and then tomorrow morning I go in. I get a little COVID test, like a pre-COVID test. Really? And they, I think they can tell in 45 minutes, and then it's on the gurney IV, and I so, guess they fill me yeah. up with air. <laughs> yeah. Wow, sounds like fun. So do you need, do they need to know if you have, like, is the COVID somehow related to the, the COVID test somehow related to the colonoscopy or is it like just, no, you want to make sure you well, just checking that as well. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And for those of the, uh, and for those watching, uh, describe That's what a colonoscopy right. is. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. But, but considering you're fasting, all this talk about, uh, you know, tube goo must be uh, making you a little hungry. So. Most of us here have an ex-wife. We know exactly what a colonoscopy is. You're giving away half your shit tomorrow. I don't even know what that means. Have you started taking that liquid chain yet? Because that's a problem, right? The purge, which I'm lucky because it doesn't. I don't start doing that for another couple hours. But once that happens... You should do it mid-show because I think it'll make for a great entertainment. I mean... Pretty much. Yeah, start yeah. drinking it now. That'll be fun. Yeah. Watching you run away. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much have to park yourself on the toilet. Right, Corey? Yeah. Good times. Corey's done it twice, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, really? I've done it twice. So nice, done it twice, yeah. I have yeah. done it on a UFO. When you have someone in your family, what's that? Nothing. Go ahead. Corey's I'm on the run now. Corey's breaking up. Does Corey yeah, sound like Corey's breaking up a little bit. Oh, he just got... He just Maybe got a getting his own there, Corey? Hey, there he is. Yeah. So, uh, uh, All right. so did you want to... Oh. oh, never mind. We don't even, I think we've, we've yeah, exhausted I know. We, We've done everything no, from, from eyes to asses now, so let's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> from eyes to asses. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we might as well introduce our guest this week and get the show going. So who wants to do the honors? Well, uh, I Fix. think I know. I, I just want to throw throw in really quickly. That I, I me and me and Fitz did a, a Canadian themed uh, Eddie Trunk show not that long ago. Eddie Trunk, a former guest on Tube Talk at uh, Tuesdays, um, and uh, my favorite band of the of the top five that we we each picked up top five. And my favorite band was Haywire. Just kidding. My favorite band was was Street. <laughs> so we should introduce him. So Fitz, go ahead and introduce our guest. Well, that, I uh, that was me buying. I love that I get to introduce uh, our guest today because I am in the city of Winnipeg, the That's great right. city that, that breeds so many great bands. And uh, our guest is actually, um, well, the band he's, he's, uh, that we were just talking about, is we'll call it a Winnipeg band, mm -hmm. even though the, the members are from various places in the prairies and, and whatnot. But, um, and Jeff it's is not originally from... Tell the truth and say they're from Saskatchewan. And then, okay, go yeah, That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Which, Ryder Pride. But um, what's what's great to know, even though I, I believe we can talk about it with him, where he's originally from, which I believe is Ontario, but he is now new resident of the city of Winnipeg. So we're, we're only a few uh, few minutes apart, but uh, I would say we all agree. One of our favorite bands from Canada, uh, favorite guitar player, uh, wrote some of our favorite songs. In fact, that we have covered on Kook Records. Yes. And, and most important... Not only is he a close friend, but he actually is an honorary member of our band and has shared the stage with us. So, um, right. so let's bring in the legendary, well-traveled, world-traveled Jeff Neal. Yay! Hey guys. Yeah. 
That's a standing nice, out. Nice to be here today. That's a, it's great following that subject matter, too. <laughs> 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 it's, everything's Wonderful. up from there. Yeah, no, nothing's there. off the table yeah. here. You know, exactly. Let me start with the first question. The first, okay. album, you, first album you played on with Streetheart is their biggest, is their biggest hit. Is, yes. that, is that a correlation? That the addition of Jeff Neal completely would, took it over the top. I would according, say, according to my mom and dad, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the correct answer. That's the correct uh, answer. You know, there have been uh, Streetheart has an interesting history because my favorite lineup was the original lineup, and anyone who saw that group of five men playing together know what I'm talking about. Their chemistry was scary, unbelievable, swagger. And um, and skill, um, but but that Streetheart album, I think that we spent a lot of time writing songs. I think the quality of the songs that we wrote at that time really reflect how well that connected with everyone. Yeah, you know, you know. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. We may not have had the same pirate swagger that that first band had. But we had our own version of it, and I think we had the great material to back up the band at that time. Well, it certainly went on to be the most like that. That stuff was everywhere. When, yes. When, when, we, when that album came out, that we my band played like probably four songs off that album in our like you know set. One more time. Two. Yeah. Songs. Yeah, it was huge. We had uh, I think there were five singles on that record. Um, what kind of love is this? Was the highest charting song that the band had ever written. I mean, right. they had a couple other, maybe bigger, with "Under My Thumb." Yeah. Uh, here comes the night that got into the national top ten. What kind of love is this? I, I'm I'm pretty sure was the highest charting song that we wrote as a band. So that's a nice uh, it's a nice little thing to have. Uh, it's so great that all those songs still stand up. It's a it's a testament. To the fans that not only us but all of our colleagues get to enjoy these totally. they're lifers you know they're absolutely we never knew that at the time i mean when the band broke up in 1984 i used to say to kenny i said kenny it's okay we never had a plan for 2015 or 2016 right you know, <laughs> right, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we broke up 30 years ago but the fans have kept us alive and those songs in particular yes absolutely. amazing well, it's so funny the, to think about that because so so you were there for how many years when you joined? Uh, I joined the band in early 1981 and was with the band until 1984. Damn! So he was a lot of output during your time in, in like a, a basically a three four year span. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a fairly uh, um, prolific writer. Like I always have ideas. I've always sure. got stuff. And I still do. Uh, uh, Daryl and Spider the same way. We've always been writing um, songs, ideas, and genesis of songs. Um, but yeah, but you know how it was back in the day. Not only us, but all artists were doing one or two albums a year. I mean, look at how the Beatles were going. They were knocking off a record every six months. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, they were pretty good songwriters. Not bad. <laughs> you did okay. Whatever happened to those guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody sets the Beatles for fifty years. Exactly. Next question. Uh, my um, one of my first concerts actually was seeing you guys at the Civic Center in Moose Jaw. Yeah. Is that is that the shirt? 
This is the shirt from that, but you know what? So this Love is the Dancing with Danger. Can you guys see that? It was yeah, like yeah. The, the official, but this isn't my shirt. <laughs> this isn't my shirt, and it's actually Jody's shirt. <laughs> wow. Although I had one, but I don't know where it went. She, I mean, she's she kept everything, right? I mean, that that lover boy headband we had on a past episode that was hers. Wow. All you got to do is walk so, 18 kilometers should, a day, and you can fit into your wife's clothes, everybody. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old days. Dylan, there. I yeah. remember those days going through your girlfriend's closet, going, "Can I wear this tonight for the game?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at it; looks better on me than you. Yeah. <laughs> so I I remember standing first in line outside the civic center waiting to get in because really? it was general seating and of course i wanted to be right up at the front of the stage in the spit zone and ran in and and the queen city kids opened for you guys that day oh wow that's correct and i had my disc remember those kodak disc cameras mm-hmm. yeah i had i had that with me and i took pictures and i searched time low to find those pictures so that i could show everybody on the show today but uh there you know Jeff, you were there with your, like, yeah, do you remember having a red and white striped shirt? Yes, I do. Yeah. That yeah. was his girlfriend's shirt. He took and, Yeah. No, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Two things that was mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had a bandana around your, your leg or something? With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was the time. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a great show. It was great fun. Well, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I remember that room that had that with that funny ceiling. I can remember playing that room. I remember the acoustics were challenging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. they were great days. They were really great days. You know, wonderful days. Yeah, uh, that, that Civic Center's gone. They tore that down and they have a new oh, arena downtown. Okay, so. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, I didn't know Jeff, that. was that where uh, Live After Dark was recorded, that tour, or was that previous? Uh, the, the, the shows that we did for Live After Dark were... We did them exclusively for recording. Uh, we did, I think we did five days at the Norlander. Five. In Winnipeg, yeah. Absolutely fun-filled, liquor-drenched evenings, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, at the Norlander. Then we did a couple of nights at the convention in South in Edmonton. I think oh, we, did, yeah, yeah. we did, I think we did two nights there, and then we did one night at the uh, the Regina Agrodome. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we did one night there. So we did all we did a total of eight shows that we recorded and traveled with the mobile. We pulled the Studer twenty four track out of Century twenty one, and John Hildebrand came and recorded the whole thing uh, in their little sort of setup mobile. Um, I. I, we didn't use, I think we, we used only one or two tracks from Regina just because we preferred the sound of the drier rooms, the clubs, for mixing. Mm, mm, yeah. ultimately, ultimately, in the end, that gave us the more, most impact in the sound. But we, record, we didn't record during in Moose Jaw, but those, Regina, Edmonton, and Winnipeg were the, the cities that we recorded specifically for that album. That's great. That's a very... The inside pullout of the double album, I remember, yeah. of course, yeah. I loved my kiss records growing up because they had epic photos in the mm. middle but the, you, you know um uh, the, the photo i'm talking about of you guys sort of all on top of each other uh Le- on that live record uh, like me leaning back over Kenny. yeah That's yeah 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 cover. yeah yeah on yeah. the back cover there it is yes. such yes. a good like good memory for me like that was a very i i probably still like the live record the live version of some of those songs like just for you and all that yes. like just fantastic. Yeah, they're great. 
Uh, Even I, it, go ahead, Todd. Sorry. No, the uh, the the under my thumb version on that thing is quintessential. You know, with yes. the long extended down thing in the middle and all that is so. Oh accurate. yeah, yeah. And that was all live, man. There was no edits. It was just no. like the real yeah, organic sound of the live show. Yeah. Well, you know, Shane, we had that luxury of playing all the time. I mean, it's like uh, we were talking about that little story about the young guys coming out to the shows. We got to cut our teeth. Like even guys like me more than you young fellas, we had this great opportunity to play six nights a week, five hours, five, six hours a night, 52 yeah. weeks a year. You get good. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. The band gets super tight. Yeah. And the band gets tight. Uh, but, but that, like, uh, you know, back to what you were saying, Shane, uh, it, we played all the time. We rehearsed all the time. We really, that's what we did. We lived and breathed and ate music and sometimes that's all we had to eat was the music because yeah. didn't have any yeah, money. Yeah. Uh, um, but they were, they were great days and, and I listened to that live album. We just re-released it with Universal last year. Oh, wow. and, and, and very proud of what they, they remixed it. They actually added uh, Highway Isolation, which is Spider's bass song. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. On vinyl, because now you can actually, the technology is available to get more time on the vinyl, sides of vinyl, than they used to be. Right, right. It used to be that 19 minutes aside kind of magic number, and after that, forget about it. Yeah, so they the dug out the tapes and remixed it? Yeah. The, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and, uh, um, uh, Andres Lara is the remastering uh, gentleman at, at Universal. He did an excellent job. Very, very good. He remastered both that and our greatest hits that we put out last year as well, the Life Legacy Music album. Yeah, I think so, great too. And and I do know Jeff because I'm very close with you, but a lot of that catalog that's um, been brought to the forefront recently has a lot to do with you working with the labels and whatnot and getting everything you know, sort of uh, relevant, right? Yes, because stuff yes. was released on vinyl and it might have been released some on CD, but yeah. um, putting it on Spotify and then re-releasing stuff because, you know, a lot of those bands that we liked, you know, it's sometimes you can't find their stuff on Spotify, like some of the older bands and all that. Right. And you've done like an amazing job of sort of spearheading all the, you're the, the street heart, um, what are you, the, uh, the catalog? Yeah, you know, I'm a curator, whatever, whatever that curator, is. Curator, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, I, I've learned to appreciate the value of understanding the business. And I think that it's very important that you have a very strong and aggressive business person to protect your artist. Hmm. The artist will, okay. the artist is like, hey, come on in. Sure, what do you want? Take yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, you have to learn how to get to a guy that goes, who are you? What do you want? Like a bouncer. You know, yeah. but I'm, not quite, but you know, you know what I'm saying? You have to protect the artist. And one of, them, one of the things that I have learned is that if you have a, 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 a you know, good sort of sane relationship with the record company, they're, they're, uh, Universal Music Canada has been so good to work with. Uh, in particular, Warren Stewart, he's been very helpful, very open. We've found ways, uh, he's treated us with a lot of respect and we're not a big fish. I mean, we're not Sting, we're not the Rolling Stones. Uh, as far as numbers, but he treats us like we're one of the biggest bands on the catalog, and so uh, you get inspired to do the work. Yeah, so speaking of the work, um, I, met, I saw the other day that uh, actually Spider had mentioned that um, having you back in Winnipeg, there was talk of new material coming up, and 
Is I read that too. Yeah. yeah. Is that something that we have to look forward? Yes. Yes, it is, Darren. Um, we've been writing for the past month. Uh, I have a very spacious studio, so we've been able to sit 20 feet apart. Uh, and, and we've <laughs> right. been sharing ideas. We've written 24 wow. songs this month. Damn. You guys are playing wow. live in a room or just... No, no, we're, 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 we're writing sessions. Okay. We have... Uh, we have uh, Daryl. Daryl's got a little keyboard set up in the corner with acoustic guitar playing acoustic guitar. Uh, I'm basically sitting where, where, like the position where Corey is right now in front of the screens, right. running, run, running, running the show. And we got a couple of a couple of mics set, room mics set up. Spider's got his bass, and we just share ideas. Okay, we sit down and go, okay, who's got something? Daryl goes, okay, I've got this thing. Okay, start playing it. And we basically have just been playing. Uh, we've been writing arrangements and, you know, basically fra like framing houses, you know. Okay, yeah. this looks mm -hmm. good. And once we get a, a, a concept of structure, we leave it. We'll come back to everything. Obviously, we have to clean up things like lyric, uh, you know, counter melodies, secondary melodies in the song, arrangement. But uh, we have some very, very good songs. Carol's very excited. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan, like to like where you're going to go with this, or like is the next step put a record together, or go into a proper studio, or you just do it yourself, or what do you think? Uh, well, you know, we've tossed around a number of ways that we can do it. Um, we certainly have a lot of experience, you know, collectively now in recording. Uh, I've had a lot of producer experiences. Uh, I think that we could probably. I think we know ourselves as well as anybody. Having said that, if somebody got interested that would bring cachet and, and knowledge to, to the record, we do that. Um, I'm very realistic to know that uh, it's very difficult for a classic rock band to put out new material that really gets attention. I think it's yeah. good to do it. I think people will be interested, and I think our fans... As, as much as any fans of any band out there will want to hear and give our new music a chance. And sure. uh, judging by what we're writing, they're going to be Of course, it wouldn't be yeah, fair to discuss Streetheart without bringing up, of course, the legendary Kenny Shields, who, who um, of course, yeah. if anybody doesn't know, passed away a few years ago. What is the process like writing new material without Kenny? Is that... Well... It's it, it, it's different now. Uh, when we wrote, when we used to before the band broke up, essentially Spider and Daryl and I would get together in a room and we would toss around ideas. Here's the setup: Daryl played keyboards and bass with his left hand. Spider would play drums. Oh wow! And I play and I play guitar. And Daryl wow. and I would kind of sort of sing and we we flesh out songs the three of us because typically because. Uh, you know, Kenny was a vocalist, right. uh, and he didn't come in with the bones of a song. He contributed to every song. He wrote lyric. He would change melody. He would adjust. He would stylize the song to fit his incredibly unique and one of a kind style. Sure. Uh, so once we had some bones of songs, we said, "Kenny, you need to come down and hear this one." And he come down and go, "Yeah, guys, I'm I'm liking that one. Can we do this to it? I'm thinking. I'm seeing this thing." So he would. You know, he would. He gave the song its unique character. So we. Uh, so when we get to that point, that's going to be a different thing for us, Darren. As you were talking about, 
right now we're kind of, this is how we did it many, many years ago. The three of us would sit down and try and get stuff ready for the, you know, well, for the vocal. And it seems, sure. I mean, typical to Canada. I mean, again, we have to pat ourselves on the back because you give credit where credit's due. Unlike situations like you guys have talked about with Miles, um, you know, and of course other bands, big bands that have, you know, changed singers. You guys have had a, a pretty good response to, to what, you, what you've been doing lately with Paul, correct? Like, I mean, every, I mean... Darren, uh, it, it, it's been, uh, we've been overwhelmed by the goodwill that we've had, by the, the understanding. I, I think our, our fan base is very mature. I think they have a very realistic perspective. I think that they understand that the fans' love of the music will probably outlast most of the bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Paul's also yeah. great. It would make a big difference if Paul wasn't <laughs> awesome. Paul's yeah, amazing. He's, he a, he's a brilliant job. singer. I mean, I say, yeah. I talk to the guys and I go, you know, if Paul wasn't, didn't, wasn't here, I don't know what we would do because uh, we, we didn't want to, you can't find somebody to replace, Kenny, you can't replace a voice like no. no. We needed to find a, a singer who could sing a very difficult catalog of songs. Not only that, he had to stand in front of us. Yeah. 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 There's not many guys that, that I that I know that could do that. The one or two guys I know are already in band. <laughs> so so it's funny that you're bringing this up because the other day I was watching on Netflix a new documentary. So if anybody out there, by the way, wants to check it out, it's. Uh, a Queen documentary featuring uh, their discovery of Adam Lambert, and I remember, I remember them talking about yeah, yeah. almost the same thing. They said, you know, we weren't sure it was going to happen. It had to be the right person. It had to be somebody that could do everything, and it wasn't, it wasn't just going to be, a, you know, let's pick somebody and go. So it was kind of almost an accident that they ran into. Is that how the situation kind of played out with you guys, or were you actively looking for somebody? No, I mean, uh, in twenty seventeen. Stop playing. Um, we didn't get anything for months. It was just kind of, we were, I mean, everybody was so gutted. I mean, as you can, like everyone was. Uh, we, I mean, about a month after it happened, when I was home in Vancouver, it hit me. Just like, oh. Yeah, I bet. Uh, you know, it was, it really, it was, it was much later on in the year. We just, because people were sending us lovely messages. They were they were offering their condolences, and many of them were saying, please, guys, don't stop playing. We love Kenny. We love him so much. We miss him, but please don't stop. Right. And we thought, oh, how can we do this? But we've, we've known Paul, you know. Uh, again, you know, the Prairies is full of not only great hockey players, but incredible musicians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've known Paul since 1987 when yeah. we first played together. Uh -huh. He was one of the, the first, you know, great singers I got to work with back right. in the day. So right. for me, as a fan of you and the band and having someone regionally, you know, a local Winnipegger be part of the band, it kind of means a lot to me as well that Paul is from Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was very important to us. I think that, that when we announced Paul, nobody went, oh, is he any good? Never heard of him. Right. Right, Ninety yeah. percent of people went, "Wow, perfect choice! That's your, that's your guy." I'm, uh, I mean, I even had people sending me these messages, going, "Dude, why?" Before we made any kind of announcement, going, "You should use Paul McNair. He was at the. He's your guy." Like, yeah. I'm not talking about that. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah. I, Again, 
we have this very difficult catalog of songs to sing, and the bar was set so high by Kenny. I mean, not not only he could sing in that range, but his delivery. Oh yeah, Kenny had that dangerous yeah. thing. He, uh, he had swagger. It, he yeah. had swagger, yeah. sex appeal. I yeah. mean, he was as powerful as as Rod Stewart or Mick Jagger at their peak. Yeah. At his peak, there has never been a better frontman than Kenny Shields. I agree, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but ha- having said all that, we are over the moon with how how people get the big picture. They just love, you can see the, the joy in the faces of people hearing these songs again. And Paul has has stepped in and he's done it with so much respect for the legacy of the band and his own talent. He's sort of, he isn't trying to do Kenny. He's just no. this great singer singing yeah. this catalog of great songs. And I Absolutely. think that's how Queen perceived, and Adam Lambert perceived yeah. himself filling the shoes of... Uh, of Freddie, because I, I did see one of those shows, and he was very quick to self-deprecate and say, "I'm not Freddie Mercury. I'm not trying to be, mm-hmm. but we're all here to celebrate." And I think that that stands as well with you guys. Is that the music yeah. is bigger, the band is bigger as a the you know the legacy than the actual individual. I mean, it's I'm really happy that Spider is playing with you Me and Daryl. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. and that's um, very important for us. That was uh, I I. Had suggested, I said, we're not playing until you're available. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. You know, That's we great. need we need him. He's our yeah. virtuoso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the most underrated player on the planet. I always say, Spider. It's funny that you had like one of the greatest frontmen in rock and roll, and then you got this bass player who's like, in my opinion, could be playing with anybody. You know, he's that, like the best. When the original lineup of Streetheart, that'd be as a band, it must have been what hockey teams felt like playing against the Detroit power play in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, really? Yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, yeah. what did it take four seconds to score? My my second concert ever, and my first concert was Kiss, and you know it was like a big show thing. Yeah. And Kiss yeah. is amazing. Theatrical, but when I saw Streetheart in Red Deer in the small little place, front row, it was like nineteen. It was either seventy eight or seventy nine. It was just after Paul left. Oh, okay. Right, John. Me and my friend were there looking at each other. It was T's opened up. Yeah. And oh, we, yeah. I don't know. Do remember what tour that was? Uh, that was before me, uh, but I, I want to say that was that, that was the John uh, Hanna. The, yeah, it was John Hanna. Yeah. Uh, but I was trying to think with the tour. I'm just trying to remember the year. I. I texted my friend. Seventy nine, I think. Eight or seventy nine. Okay. Yeah. Under but, heaven, uh, over yeah. hell, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And that would that be the uh, no, And it was a band. There was yeah. no, you know, no gimmicks. It was just a band right there, kicking ass, you know, and Matt on drums and Kenny just like captivating presence. It was incredible. It it was again another shift, paradigm shift for me after seeing Kiss, which was a whole other thing. Just seeing a what a real band with real players can do, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was I, amazing, and it stayed with me all these years. It was just, yeah, it, it changed me. And I'm trying to remember the freaking venue too. I'm texting my friend because he was with me, uh, blown yeah. away talking to you actually. <laughs> well, uh-huh. the uh, the uh, I, I, I had the same feeling watching them for the first time. I I said, God, I hate my band. <laughs> I never want to play again. 
I was, and I looked around, and every musician in the room was just staring at their shoes. <laughs> yeah. So, Jeff, you're not a Prairie Boy. You're from Ontario. Yes, yes, Sault Ste. Marie. So, and I know your your dot connects you to the band, you know, via, because you were probably friends with those guys before you were in the band, yes. right? Yes, yes. So I, I definitely want to ask you about that. And then, but let's not forget, we were talking about great singers, but... We have lots of people that watch some of our, you know, friends from around the world. But you have a whole other storyline of music uh, that took you over to Australia. So yes. I want to talk about that. But okay. I just want to connect the dots from how Ontario connected you to uh, the Street Heart guys. Um, well, I, I left uh, Sault Ste. Marie uh, after I graduated from high school. I was 18. Went out the road with my first band. Uh, recruited a few of uh, my younger high school chums, uh, Mick Delavy and Michael Ciccoli, to play with my band Shama. We moved, we located out in Vancouver. Uh, mm. I, I, I've lived there since about the 1978. So what brought uh, you to Vancouver? That's a long way from Sault Ste. Marie. Well, Vancouver was a city you could launch internationally from. It had the, had the music scene, uh, had the management. Bruce Allen was happening, BTO was happening. I had yeah. just been, I had just seen the Hans Stamer group, which had Eddie Patterson and Jeff Ayer and Wayne Kozak. Uh, uh, and they just, these guys were just blue. Oh, there was the heaviest, the heavy session guys in Vancouver. There was great music out there. There was, and you yeah, could yeah. launch internationally from there. Uh, and not to mention the fact that it didn't snow in the winter. Yes, that's a big one. That is a yeah, big one. That's that, why that, I was that helped. So, so that's why I went out there. Um, and I met uh, the... Uh, Kenny and Daryl and Spider when they were with Kenny Shields and Witness in the mid 70s. We didn't know each other a lot because we were always, always all playing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the Brett, you were alluding to uh, uh, Jimmy Barnes. That I oh. hooked up with him in 1986. Okay, so so pretty quickly after a couple so, of years after you left Streetheart. Streetheart. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, after Streetheart broke up, I went back to Vancouver. I uh, was doing, basically just doing session work. There was a good session scene there. Uh, I was a rock guitar player who could play in tune, so I got a lot of calls. <laughs> That's important. And, yeah, and left-handed. I couldn't read. I could, My reading was terrible, but I could do the, I could do cool stuff, and they liked it. Yeah, that. yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I remember in February of 1986, I got a call from Bruce Allen, because I had heard this Jimmy Barnes guy on the radio, and I just went, Hey, this guy's sort of like like Bob Seger on steroids. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. You know that raspy voice, but 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 you know a, a slightly another half an octave higher. Yeah, um, yeah And then I heard that, that there was some he had Bruce had put a band together for him, um, but I didn't get asked. And I'm kind of like, well, I didn't get asked to play this band. Uh, a couple months later, Bruce called me up to replace. Uh, Dave Amato, who I don't know if you oh, thought wow. Dave was. I know his, Dave. Yeah, he's still with, with, with Ario Speedwagon. He plays with Ario now. Yeah, yeah. and he's you a guys play together, Todd. Too. Yeah, yeah, we play together. Yeah, it's good. And, and 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 he was playing with Jimmy, and he was going off to do a tour with Cher. Oh, I see. So I got the call from Bruce to go down. Jack, Bruce, out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, you know, and he's uh, he's a lovely fellow. Yeah. Uh, and, and he said, "Listen, it's too late." Uh, we can't get you work visa. You're going to sneak across the border. Okay, what's that? So I drove with my uh, with my then wife. We drove from Vancouver down to Seattle on the premise of going for a little weekend. Uh, I had my guitar in tow with me, Frank, as you see in every picture. Uh, and then I got on the plane in Seattle, flew to Kansas City. 
uh, saw them play one show. We went to St. Louis the next day. Um, Dave ran through me his parts in the dressing room. I went. I, we did a walkthrough with the guys, and we went on stage and played in St. Louis that night. Wow! And it was like, okay, first song is in A. Jeff, go, you start. Huh. Wow! <laughs> and and I did that. We did that for three months, and then Jimmy went back to Australia. Um, and we got along, but we butted heads all the time, Jimmy and I. And, and I thought, okay, this guy hates me. At the end of that tour, he came up to me and he said, Jeff, I want you to come over to Australia and fix my fix my band. Which really? Wow. So uh, I went over and played with him, and I wasn't prepared for what I saw when I went over there. The loyalty that his fans... Oh, yeah. Here, to walk, to play in a building with 15,000 people singing a song that you know none of the words to. Wow. It's quite something. Yeah. It's quite humble. You go, wow, this is a big world. That's bad. Now, how many years like did you spend chisel with songs, yeah. right? Right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, Todd, you asked how many years I was with Jimmy? Yeah, how were you with Jimmy? I was with him for 11 years. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, were, you, were you basically living in Australia during all this? Or? Yeah, I moved down to Australia in 1990. Whereabouts? Yeah. Where were you, uh, you living? We were, we lived, uh, I lived in the same little town that Jimmy lived in. It was a little town called Barrow, B-O-W-R-A-L, about a hundred kilometers south of Sydney. Really? That's so crazy. What an experience. That's amazing. It's wonderful. And, you know, we lived in the same little town, so we were always working and writing together. Jimmy had a world-class studio in the basement of his house. Why not? Yeah, of course, of course yeah. Um, and uh, we, we traveled all the time. Uh, during the last number of years, I traveled with him a lot to do press and promo. We did a lot of things together, you know, kind of acoustic guitar and voice. Sure. Yeah. And singing. Um, and then we, we also moved over to Europe. We lived in the south of France for a couple of years in the mid-90s. Oh, wow. well, we, we, well, Jimmy was with BMG at that time, and he was high on their list to break in Europe. So we brought his family and moved them over to Excel Provence, you know. Wow, so, so great. So, so funny that you had all these experiences. Like you know, just you know, it wasn't like you went just been hanging around Vancouver all these years. No, you were like getting no. well, that whole thing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as as big as you know, as successful as I've had a, a, the career I've enjoyed with Streetheart in Canada, the career with Jimmy Barnes was gigantic. Oh yeah, yeah. Huge. Yeah. I mean, we we played. I. I played to a quarter million people with Jimmy. I played to hundred, oh, hundred, over 100,000 numbers of times. We would do shows, his own shows, 30, 40, 50,000 people. Uh, we, I mean, Jimmy sang with Bruce Springsteen, Rod Stewart. You yeah. know, whenever any of these bands come to town, he goes up and sings with them. Mm -hmm. uh, they well, all, in North America, we all love the um, going to have a good time, yeah. right? Yeah. An excess yeah. song. Yes. I think everybody knows that song here, but might not have known, well, who's that wicked singer that sings in the verses? Well, that's the legendary Jimmy Barnes. That but he's is. also from the band Cold Chisel, right? That that's was his, correct, yes. That was yeah. the Australian band. And, and uh, for anyone who doesn't know Cold Chisel, Cold Chisel, uh, if I gave you the elevator uh, description, they are Australia's version of the Tragically Hip. They sing about Australia, the Australian oh, okay. story. They have... Two amazing singers, Jimmy Barnes and Ian Moss, the guitar player. He's a beautiful singer. They have wow. one of the one of the greatest songwriters that I've ever met, and their piano player, Don Walker. 
and and their legacy, their songs are spectacular. But they they sing about the Australian experience. Wow. Um, and their fans are as they're probably the biggest fan ever in in the history of music in Australia. Wow. And that's why they that's why Jimmy's such a god over there. Yeah, for sure. That certainly has a lot to do with it. Also, the fact that he's a great man. Yeah, he is. He is one of the finest human beings I've ever met. Uh, he does so much charity work. Uh, he's the real thing. He's a real rock star. He was wild. He was full on, charming, funny, intelligent. The best interview ever. Like okay. he would. He was. He would just have a place just howling with laughter. But he knew what he was talking about. And then he we'd play. You know, an Otis Redding song or something at nine in the morning. He, he's we'd let that off. <laughs> yeah, and so, amazing. So, but his, I mean, his heart is as big as his voice. So his success is all well earned and well deserved. Yeah, that voice, come on, that voice yeah. is nuts. Yeah. So, when did you leave Australia? Um, I moved back to Canada uh, in uh, in the beginning. I stayed in Australia till January of 1997. And I moved back, and I was always back about February of 1997. Part. What was the impetus so, of, of leaving uh, leaving uh, Jimmy, or was that just sort of like it ran its course, kind of thing? Well, well kind of we, like... we had, it had kind of run its course. I think we had spent a, a, a lot of years together. Right. Uh, there was a certain measure of. Uh, I, I'm going to sort of paraphrase a story here. At the end. I was talking to Jimmy and, you know, and, and Jimmy said to me, Jeff, you know, we've worked so much together. And he says, and I, we're, we're mixing a record, you know, and he says, I can feel you standing behind the console. He says, I know you, and you have a thousand ideas and I know they're all great. He said, this is my record. Right. You know, and he was just saying, Jeff, you need to do, you need more. You need more than this, you know? And I think that, I think that it, it was, it was time. You know, and I just, I, I love that. That was one of the greatest little ends to a, to a portion of my career. It was, it was done so honorable. We sat in this big studio and had this conversation, and we walked back into the control room, better friends, after it was over. Mm. There you go. That's great. We finished the record together. That's awesome. So when you came back to, to Vancouver, that would have been around yeah. the time that... I got to know you. Yes, yes. Because I, I know we met earlier, you said, at Club Soda back when I was yes. like 21 or something like that. Yes, yes. But but I didn't really know you. We met and uh, went on our way. You went over to, to Australia, but then you came back, and, and, and going back to your story with Shama, yes. the, the drummer for Shama was Brian Armstrong. That's correct, yeah. And I had quit the music business and gone into computer animation. Right. But while I was doing that, I was busking at this uh, at this market, and the keyboard player for this band called Midlife Crisis was there. He's like, "Man, I got these guys, a bunch of guys, and we we play like every weekend, and we you should totally be in our band with us." And his name was Herman Froome. Yeah, wonderful. And, and the drummer for Midlife Crisis was Brian Armstrong. Yeah. So I went out and played a gig with those guys or a bunch of gigs actually all while I was in school and you must have just returned back from Australia at that point is that yes, right that, that's correct yeah because I remember playing a couple of that we played a couple of gigs together I can exactly I can see that one with a little low stage somewhere we played I it was you know some community hall out, out in the out in the valley somewhere 
Yeah, I think it was um, where they shoot a lot of TV shows now. What the heck was it called? It was close to Langley. Port, yeah. Port Langley? Yeah, Port Langley? Port Langley. Port Langley. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah so it was really, it's quite interesting that one of my childhood heroes would, would show up and he was good friends with these guys in this band called Midlife Crisis because everybody else in the band were had moved on from music. Brian was a very, very successful insurance salesman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And Herman, yeah. the guy that recruited me, was an inventor. He had a screwdriver that, that he invented, <laughs> which is very, wow. uh, very yeah. successful. Yeah. Yeah, Herbert um, Herb is a brilliant guy. Yeah, oh, and I, totally. I, uh, I, yeah, I guess that would have been yeah, because I came back in the spring of 1997, so we would have been playing a couple of gigs around that time period. That was right, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, those, uh, that was uh, that was a fun time. I remember com coming back. It was nice to come back to Vancouver after being away for so long. So yeah. how long was it until you sort of plugged yourself back into Kenny's world? And what were you doing in between that and plugging yourself back into the street heart world? Well, funny you should bring that up. Uh, in 1996, I had, uh, I had uh, I, I'd come back to Canada for a holiday. True. Uh, I was staying with a buddy of mine. And um, I got a call from... I think it was Len Goddard at uh, the Sa at Sam Feldman's agency. I knew Len was my Lenny was my uh, agent. Lenny right, <laughs> and so Len phoned me up and said, "Hey Jeff, do you want to play a show with Streetheart?" I went, "What?" He said, "Yeah, yeah. There's this festival outside of Winnipeg called Minidosa. Yeah, and it's going to be Kenny and Spider and Daryl and Matt. And do you want to play?" And I said, "Yeah, of course mm -hmm. I want to play." So um, that was August of 1996. I want to say it was August 12th was the day we play. I could be wrong, but I think it was August 12th. Wow. Um, we walked on stage, set up the gear. We wrote a set list out, and we started. Okay, one, wow. two, three, four. Boom. You guys have heard? Action. Was there a little pre-rehearsal, anything? No, none, none. What? I, wow. what? I, I remember... Not. I remember walking up there, and you know, and there's, and there was a great turn, maybe fifteen, sixteen thousand people, I guessing, at Minidosa at that time. I mean, it was the beginning of the classic rock resurgence. Sure. Um, and and Shane, to, you, to your question, I remember saying, "I wonder what this is going to be like." And about four bars, and I said, "This is going to be the best hour of my life." Wow. I mean, I look at who's around me. Yeah, it's, it's it's Kenny Shields, it's Spider Sinev, it's Gerald Mutel, it's Matthew Burnett. Are you kidding? And was that your first show since you got back right. to Canada? That was the first time I played with those guys in thirteen years. Wow. Yeah, wow. and then and then we did a number of shows uh, in the late nineties with with Maddie. Sort of when Loverboy was kind of in a bit of a hiatus. There was a bit of time, uh, and then. Um, I didn't do a, a lot. Of, I didn't get back to working with Kenny again until the fall of 2003, mm. and that's when I came back and started working with him full time. You know, we talked about playing together, and I said, you know, maybe we should record you. You should make. You need to make a record. Uh, we need to. We need to up this franchise a little bit here. You know, you yeah. deserve something better than. We need to make this the best that we can make it. Mm. And so we had, we had a great run for the. You know, Kenny had a. I think he had a nice renaissance and resurgence in his career at the end, and he got he got some of the things that he probably didn't get when he was younger that he deserved, you know, in many ways. You know, I think Kenny was a great talent, 
and probably didn't get as much as he deserved for as good Absolutely. as he was. And he worked hard too. I mean, he worked all oh, the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So a couple of yeah. questions coming in online, and of course the one that's that I have to ask, and of course it's been on my mind now for the last couple of minutes. What made Herman's screwdriver that much different? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It actually all explained it to you because it was amazing. It was, it was like a multi, a multi-tipped screwdriver that everything was in the, in the handle. You'd pull it out, and it was all really like, it seemed like it was on a hydraulics. It'd pull out. It was really sexy. Yeah. If, if tools can be sexy, and, yeah. and you'd take a tip out, and you'd put the other one in, you put the other one back in, and you'd. They have those now. He must yeah. have invented those, yeah. Well, he invented well, that. He invented that stuff, and that was his gig, like you say, Cole. Yeah. Wow. And he he was getting them manufactured in China, and the Chinese stole his patent, and we were like Shit. making them behind his back. Oh, and capitalized on that, and so he learned oh. all about that. But uh, wow, yeah. I mean that that time in my life was very healing because I was just got I was so dead from playing. I was so over it. Yeah, yeah I was totally jaded burnt out you know the whole thing but when i got when i played with you guys with with midlife crisis we laughed so much and we played just great music you know it wasn't anything that was on the top 40 wasn't it wasn't anything in the top 40 in country music it was like whatever the hell we wanted to play yeah so much yeah. fun yeah it was a fun the, the real the real uh, question actually was uh, somebody online was asking uh <laughs> how were you approached by streetheart to join the band well, I wasn't. That was Jeff's domain. No, I'm talking. I wasn't in Street Art at all. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for clearing that up. I, I saw you had the shirt, so I just assumed. <laughs> well, I kind of knew the guys a bit. Um, I remember when Kenny Shields and Witness were going to start this new band, and they were going to do it with a couple of guys from the Great Canadian River Race. So I didn't really hadn't had a chance to see, but I'd heard about this band from Edmonton. And I remember being kind of a little myth. Why didn't he ask me to play guitar? Until I saw them, and I, and I saw Dean, and I went, oh, yeah, okay, and I know why. The guy's right. fantastic, amazing. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I got schooled. I just went, what was I thinking? Shut up, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a, a couple of years later, um, Bob Eagle, Herb Eagle, as many of you know, who, was the, who replaced Matthew after Under Heaven Over Hell, uh, we were brothers-in-law for a number of years. Oh wow! Uh, wow. So, right. So we were good. We were married to two sisters. Uh, yeah. They're still very good friends, and we're all good friends, and everything. Life has changed, but we're all still very good friends. Um, anyways, Bob and I always kept in touch. And then when John got sick, uh, and the band, and he couldn't go on with the band anymore, uh, the, the band auditioned guys, um, and, uh, a number of players. Um, and I, I was one. Of the, I got an opportunity to audition for the band, and there were four songs that we had to play. Uh, Action being one of them, which I absolutely gagged at the audition. I just, I thought I've lost the gig. Um, <laughs> but but I, I knew the whole catalog. So after we yeah. did the four songs, I said, "Let's play Teenage Rage." And they went. Uh, he went. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, we played it. We played that. And I said, "How about this one?" You know, let's play whose turn is it tonight, right? You know, <laughs> let's play Star. And I think, you know, and, and I remember after playing Teenage, Kenny sort of, he was sitting down in the chair and he was just nodding to himself, himself and he said, boy, that felt good. And I said, yeah. I'm in. 
I did. Uh, <laughs> I was. They could have had better guitar players, but I think that uh, I was a student of the band and I had enthusiasm. And I also had the guts to stand there and play a couple of my own original tunes, just myself with guitar. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So, and did any of those parlay into any of the Streetheart catalog? Uh, I can't remember. I don't think so. I think inevitably, eventually we just started writing together. I think that uh, I did, you know, we pooled, like, what kind of love is this was an idea that I had in my pocket when I came to the band. Basically, the chorus... And the intro riff, uh, and I can't remember how the story goes, but uh, Daryl says he had the verse idea. He had this verse, and he didn't know where to go with it. And I said, "Hey, he did the verse. Don't do do the thing. I'm waiting in line. Waiting my time. And then he went, "What?" And I went, "What?" Oh no. He had that much. He had all the, he like the pre-chorus, everything. Yeah, he I'm got, wasting my time. Wow. He had changes, but he was more going, I'm loving to fly. Oh, I see. He, yeah, yeah. Kind of, we were mumbling the words out. Scatting. He yeah, was yeah. scatting yeah. the verses, yeah. you know, with the melody, the basic melody. And I had the, what kind of love is this, the line. Perfect. And hmm. it, it ended with me going, ooh, what love? And they went, the guys went, don't do that. <laughs> just, go, just go ooh <laughs> <laughs> now I, I think it was you that, that was telling me the story that that was actually a demo that you guys re that the record company released was it you that told me that yes yes it is uh it is it that is the demo of what kind of love is this that's the only recorded version of that song wow. we recorded other versions when we did the street Heart album we just weren't really able to capture the vibe and outdo the demo mm. and kind of got dropped and I'm like going oh no my god wasn't mine but I mean you know it was this yeah. song I, I, I you know it's and well, I, it's the song really if, if, if that had not made the album it would have changed the entire arc of your career really well essentially it wasn't going on the record until Dean Cameron who was the head of A&R I believe uh, at that time at Capital EMI mm -hmm. uh he said, if this song isn't going on the record, the album isn't coming out. Right. It's going on the record. Basically, right. that's it's, it's, there's more to the story than that, but essentially that's what it is. God bless Dean. God speed. Yeah. You know, we lost Dean last year. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. But if it wasn't for Dean Cameron, that song may have not got on that record, and who knows what th that song made that Street Heart album explode. There you go, yeah. See? Dean I just heard it it's on the, the radio here the, the other day. I, actually, I hear it. I hear it every day on the radio here. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's it how good it is. It gets played every day. I kept saying, my my solo's a bit out of tune, guys. I kind of overpulled a few notes. He said, you can fix it later. Right, it's a demo. <laughs> it's a demo. Yeah. It's a, that's what it was. It's how just did, a demo. Jeff. Thirty went, years okay. later, you're like, oh, there wow. it is. There yeah. it is. How did Corey do? How did Corey do on the solo? Well, yeah, exactly. That's what we had to touch on because if 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 everybody, if everybody watching, we need to know does does the does this band get your stamp of approval? Absolutely. Are you kidding? The greatest well, band in the country. He uh, well, Jeff Jeff had filled in for us one night when when Corey was not available. Uh, and Jeff yeah. did Vancouver with us, and it was totally awesome. It was no rehearsal. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, it was Jeff, no rehearsal. It was Sorry, so great. Yeah. yeah, it was great so, fun. I, I remember saying to you guys after the show, can we play these songs well, again? Was, I know them now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big night for you, too, yeah, Jeff, because you got to wear the number nine Steen jersey. 
Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, yes, yeah. I did. I, I did enjoy that. I tell you, boy, those things, those are hot. Yeah, are hot to wear them on stage. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. They look good, but man, woo. You know, I was going to ask you, which might be almost like we should have asked this in the beginning. I always, always curious as a guitar player, what kind of challenge is it when you are playing a guitar completely backwards to 90% of the rest of the planet? When you pick up the guitars and you're left-handed, mm-hmm. was there a lot of challenges at that time as far as like left-handed guitars and that kind of stuff? Or how does, how does it even, like I always think like what kind of, uh, is there anything that really kind of like makes it challenging being a left-handed guitar player versus I suppose the more regular right hand yeah, the traditional way um, yeah. I, I don't I, I, the biggest challenge was finding gear that's yeah. what I mean yeah that's uh, what you know I, I you know you, you I, I didn't have a, a left-handed guitar till I was almost 20 years old really so, I, played, I, I played flips over like guitar uh, I would I would pick guitars based on that I remember I had a lovely old ES335 which is a double cutaway which I could play sure. basically sure. Um, but whenever I look in the mirror I look normal yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm and I've grown up looking at right-handed guitar players, so it all, it's all quite normal to me. Like I can read, I can see what an E looks like on a right-handed player, right? Yeah, yeah. I, bet. I honestly, when I watch lefties play, I go, "Dude, you look kind of messed up." <laughs> like Hendrix, right? You're like, oh. yeah. Well, well, Hendrix looked good. I, I actually had one of my friends say to me once. He said, "Jeff, it's interesting." He said, "You're one of the few left-handed guys that doesn't make it look weird somehow." Well, I don't I mean, know what that means. McCartney was left-handed. I mean, there's a lot of great, you know, left-handed players that you don't. Sure. Tony, Iommi. Is Tony Iommi left-handed? Yeah, Tony yes. Iommi. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's like there's 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 you know tons of precedents. It's just I always just find it fascinating that like you pick up because when I was a kid, I picked up the guitar the first day. It just felt really natural to play it left-handed. My dad was like, "No, no, no, really." Yeah. And you go, oh, "Okay," yeah. and I just kind of learned that way. But I, it naturally felt. Like I should be playing this way. I just think that would be really interesting. If I kind of worked up a few chords, that would have been it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I was yeah. like that far in, I would have just been yeah. like, "That's how I play." Well, so Jeff, how I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I was just going to ask you for those kids that are wanting to learn guitar now and they are left-handed. Would you recommend doing what you did, or would you say try to force yourself to play right-handed, or what? Do you, what would you recommend? Uh, I would say play left-handed. Yeah. Uh, I, if you want to play right-handed, go ahead because if you're just starting out, I'm sure you can adjust. Yeah. To be to be honest with you, I think that if I played right-handed, I think I'd be I'd have a faster fretting hand. Interesting. I can I can move that fingers on my left hand much faster than my right. Mm-hmm. But the the benefit is that I may not be able to play the most notes in the world, but I really know when to hit them. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. I know when they, I know when to hit the notes. I may not play them all, but I know when to hit them. Yeah. My left hand is, you know, that's the hand. But I, I you know, I kind of go with my left hand. I go, wow, I can fly with my left hand. It's my really right interesting hand, much. when you see guys like Doyle Bramall playing yeah. like completely upside down. Like I learned how to play upside down. Oh, you, is that how you started playing? Like completely that's how upside I started down? to play. Yeah. Oh wow! But then you eventually strung it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah Hen- Hendrix made me do that because I said, yeah, sure. I mean, Hendrix was the guy for me because he was yeah. left-handed. He was yeah. the best guitar player in the world, in my opinion. He was the coolest looking guitar player of all time. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. And he played a right-handed guitar, but he strung it traditionally. Just upside down, yeah, yeah. And it, made, it makes a lot of sense for chord shapes and stuff. I've known guys, I've seen lefties that play upside down. Yeah, uh, crazy, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I think Seal plays upside down. 
Seal mm. plays upside down. What if yeah. you guys do that? It's, it's yeah. very interesting, but yeah. And Doyle Bramble plays like that, doesn't it? Doyle plays like that, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, you, you're watching him and you're going, what am I looking at? Like, it doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Uh, I did. Hence with the V, sorry. Like the upside down V, it was like, it just looked cool even though it was upside yeah. down. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is you, you see plenty of le you see plenty of left-handed drummers as well. So I mean, yes. they, not plenty, but you do see them, and it's like it's interesting to see guys who got it, you know, turned the other yeah. way. Yeah. So it's it's very natural. Well, same with hockey. Hockey's yeah. right and left, you know. Yeah. Well, it seems to be uh, hockey's almost fifty-fifty. I mean, like yeah. it seems. You know, it's. Uh, I guess it's. I mean, I could. I can't strum a guitar. I can hold it right-handed, but I have a hard time actually hitting the strings with my right hand it's like <laughs> right you know, it's <laughs> like, like the first week you played guitar it's like starting yeah. scratch yeah exactly yeah, plus these, finger, these fingers are not built for fretting at this point after 100 years of fretting with this hand it would just be like murder on this hand try oh yeah but but i but the speed of my left hand whatever i was alluding to earlier i can ro like i can i'm doing it i can rotate my left hand fingers much faster than my right yeah, who knows? It would have been a more, a more tasteless guitar player. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you kind of did the right thing. You you, you, I, play, the, you play the right notes. That's the important thing. Well, thanks for that. I don't play many, but I try and play the right ones. I like your notes. Thank you. Well, I, I will say that uh, one of the things that Streetheart taught me was having to play songs from two very good guitar players. Uh, and uh, like Paul Dean... It, it, He's had such a big influence on my career because I played his songs, but also I believe he's a guitarist who has played very few extra notes that aren't necessary. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. His solos are all melodic. You can sing them all. There's no junk. There's no fat. Yeah. You know, it's totally. lean, mean kind of guitar playing. You know, every little kachuk he does matters. Totally. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing, his swagger and his, just his feel and all of yeah. it. So... Yeah, feels so I, I, everything he plays, you know. I can see it in your face. And the thumb yeah. playing, and yeah. the thumb, yeah. His thumbs always over the, you know, playing notes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. no, I use my thumb a lot, Corey, because yeah. with the, with the way that you have to play certain songs, you need your thumb. Yeah. You need to play it. I mean, I, I learned it out of necessity. But that's a Hendrix thing too, isn't it? Hendrix that's a Hendrix thing too. You know, yeah, he, he was a big thumb guy. Yeah. Those looks, those looks on Shane's face Great. weren't anything about guitar playing. He's actually sitting on his thumb right now because he's uh, getting. <laughs> I have to go sit and start drinking like It's literally like half a gallon, I think you have to take. Jeez Louise. That sounds fantastic. That should be like a like a you have to make home videos just so next week we can enjoy. No, don't so it's as of next week, Corey will be a year older. Let's not forget. Yeah, that's right. A decade older. It's Corey's birthday on Friday, everybody. Can we say happy birthday or is it not, not, not cool ahead of time? Or we're just wishing you early happy birthday. I wish you early happy birthday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, nothing like birthdays during quarantine. Are you still fairly right. quarantined or like what? Yeah, I mean, I went on that hike yesterday with two other guys, but, you know, we, we kept our distance and we sort of spaced ourselves in selfies and that sort of what thing. Are you gonna do, what are you going to do for your birthday? Are you going to do anything of any interest? I'm finishing the Backbone Trail, the nine the nine miles, uh, with, with Jody, my wife. Oh, she's coming. Okay, good. Yeah, and uh, we're going to go, like, at, basically at sunup. So I'll probably get down to the end at, you know, 10, or, uh, 10 in the morning, 11 in the morning, and then uh, I got the rest of the day to party. There you, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
partied like it's 1970. Uh, what year were you born? <laughs> exactly. 1970. So, Jeff, uh, a couple of questions just coming in, too. And yeah. this will be, it'll be a three-part question here. Okay, here. Um, somebody's asking, who was your favorite guitarist growing up? And two-part, uh, if you didn't play guitar, would there be any other in instrument of interest that you would have picked up? And three, what does it feel like to be back in Winnipeg now after spending so many years out in Vancouver? Okay, favorite guitar player, favorite Hendrix, uh, hands down. Oh, it's always been Hendrix. Now, was that because of the, was that because a, of the left master? Or was that just because of the guitar playing? It, 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 it was partially as a kid. When my brother introduced me to Hendrix, he said, Jeff, you need to check out this guy. He's left-handed. <laughs> and the first song I heard was Spanish Castle Magic, and I was sold. Oh. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, Hendrix is the guy. Um, yeah. The next question we you're asking about if I want if I didn't play guitar where I play, drums. Oh, yeah. oh I, I I just I, I on the, in the hierarchy of bands I think the most important guy in your band is your songwriter, and after that it's your drummer. That's true. Who, you know, knew, Spider, mean, uh, who knew Spider plays drums? I didn't. He's know an that. excellent drummer. He's a terrific really? drummer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's studied. Well, Spider Sinead has an incredibly good sense of time. Like we, when we're grooving and playing together, him and Daryl are have wonderful time. I mean, I think yeah. I have good time, but when we play together, the three of us are playing together. It's rocking. I like, bet. I bet. No doubt. We're, it's it's quite fierce. Uh, the last question, Darren, you were asking about what is it like to move back to Winnipeg? Uh, I, I this is an amazing city. Uh, historically, is an amazing rock and roll city. Uh, it's got some of the finest, best rock and roll fans in the country. Um, uh, I have wonderful friends in this city that I've had for 40 years. It's got a great music scene and music community. Um, it's, it's, it's really alive. There's, there's great food here. Um, I mean, I miss Vancouver. Vancouver is a beautiful city and I miss my friends that are there. But, sure. you know, I, 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 as I said, I, it broke my heart to leave Vancouver, but I landed in a very good place. My gal's here. I, yeah. I, I have so many wonderful people in this city, and I have great opportunities, and uh, uh, I, I'm thrilled to be here. And to be able to write, write every day of the week with Ken Sineve and Gerald Brutal is a real... Yeah, that's got to that's gotta be a real benefit, because you guys are now all in, in the same uh, city, so that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah. so uh, because... You know, I we all we talk about this. We say, even Paul's there, right? So basically, is the whole yeah, band yeah. pretty much the whole band's pretty much based in Winnipeg. Yeah, so. yeah, we're basically we're we're Winnipeg band now. That's right. I mean, I mean, I've I mean, I've lived in this city before, so I knew exactly what I'm getting into. I mean, people go, ah, Winnipeg, it's going to be cold, happy. I go, yeah. Why do you think the musicians are so good? <laughs> <laughs> practice, practice. I mean, you know me. I love to practice. Practice is beautiful thing. Exactly, uh, exactly. You know, and and now we get and songwriting is the same thing. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we yeah. just slid right back into it. I I can't. I, I want all the fans to know how excited we all are about writing material again. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited. We're I think we're all excited about this. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be, it's going to be something. I mean, we're so grateful, Paul. Like I say, Paul has stepped in and he's stepped in with so much respect and appreciation for the legacy of this band. It's great that we have a Winnipeg-based band. And uh, like a lot of my musician friends in Vancouver said, Jeff, I'll probably see you more when you're living in Winnipeg than in Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> you know, you don't go out, right? Right. You know, exactly. you know, you're busy. I mean, when I'm on the road in the summer, you know, typically I get home on Sunday night, do a face plant, 
you know, have a glass of wine, food, and do a face plan. Get up Monday's business day. Tuesday's my weekend. Right. Wednesday, you start washing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to work. Back to the airport on Friday morning. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back here. I'm getting settled, uh, and uh, I'm really excited about the future here. Well, let's hit the list for Winnipeg. The Guess Who, uh, Neil Young, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, who else? Who else is from Winnipeg? Streetheart. Harlequin. Streetheart. Well, uh, Orphan. Uh, I guess BTO would then be also. BTO, yeah. The Pumps. The Pumps. The Pumps. Yeah. Orphan. Orphan. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing city. Chantel Krabiasek. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, this and it's just the 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 culture remains of music. I I I see the culture of rock and roll being replaced by condos in Vancouver. I mean, mm. all you have to do, you have friends in Vancouver, you understand it, right? They well, you know the back in the eighty, the back in the eighties, the punk rock kids called Vancouver no fun city because they had a lot of like they had a lot of uh, rules and regulations about time restrictions and this and that. So it's always yeah. been a tough place to make it happen. Although, yes. you know, the Commodore Ballroom is one of the greatest oh, it's, yeah. in the it's country. No. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's tough. It's, it's expensive as all get out to live there. It's more expensive than Los Angeles, I think. But No, uh, you can't. It, it, it's only the very... The, a working musician is going to have a very difficult yeah. time trying to survive in Vancouver. Yeah. I mean, Vancouver one time had this great club scene. It, had, it was the recording capital of the world. Yeah, you know, it had two of the biggest producers, three of the biggest producers, with uh, with uh, Bruce Fairburn, Bob Rock, and Mike Fraser. That's right. Yeah, working yeah. out of Little Mountain was Mecca. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Hard Rock. yeah. You know, I mean, you know, all the nightclub, the nightclub scene in Vancouver after midnight was always, you know, there would always be star sightings. Absolutely. It was absolutely it was great fun, but. Yeah. The culture has changed a lot in that city. You know, it's become a very modern city, and and yep. rock and roll sort of breeds itself on a subculture. Mm. You know, that kind of gritty rock and roll is yeah. a, a dirty thing, right? It, mm. it is. That's what makes it good. I know. You know? It's a dirty secret. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is why we well, love Winnipeg it. is dirty. That's why yeah. I love it. In the it's best a, of it's, ways. It's a good dirty because of all the. The cold weather, yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. you get pummeled in the winter with all the the sand and the dirt that builds up. I mean, yeah. it's really it's the not salt, Vancouver. It's salt not. really messes up your car from the snow and all that I kind know. of stuff. Yeah, it's it's awesome. but it does rock and breed, yeah. It does yeah. breed great music. So, and I think we can say as Tuke members here, we're kind of jealous that you guys all live in the same city and can be creative, social or distance the same or whatever. Country, cause, actually, because our drummers, yeah. yeah. Actually, three of you, Brent, Darren, and Jeff, are all in Winnipeg, probably, what, 10 minutes away from each other? How, how? About that? Yeah, 10 minutes. What's for dinner, Jeff? I'll be, over, I'll be over in 20 minutes. What's for dinner? You, you can talk. You can talk. Or if you need a little, hey, wait. Wait, I'm a drummer, and you yeah. guys are a band. And yeah, yeah well, it should, be, it should be noted yeah. that Fitz Fit did some time in Kenny's. Yeah. Kenny's, yes, uh, yes. No, listen, he's, um, yeah, he, the, he's a legend in our camp. Yeah, sure. well, you and I didn't get to play Jeff together in the band Streetheart, but yeah. thankfully to, to play together with Tuke has you know has made up for that. So that's that's yeah, that, that was a thrill for me, you guys. I, I, you know, I just I have so much respect for all of you guys. Like I just I I love you guys immensely. You are some of the finest gentlemen I've ever met in this business, and I 
Well, that's awesome. This here. I go, yeah, I'm in this band. They go, you had a toque t-shirt. I go, I'm in the band. They <laughs> are. You really are. There should be just because of you. Your name that's should be extended in those names there. It should be an extra oh, like. It's, yeah. it's all great. Listen, I, I just, I, I, I just... It's so great to be here with you guys today. It's just the best. Thank well, you. I remember when it came up, like when Corey couldn't do it, and we started talking about people, and somebody, I think probably Fitz goes, what about Jeff Neal? And I was kind of like, why would Jeff Neal want to play with us? Yeah. Come sound it with us. <laughs> and the next thing I know, we're on stage with Jeff Neal. I'm like, damn, this is great. I mean, people love that. That was a huge night. That was, it was, it was so much fun. It was, I kept, I'm looking at the list, you know, and I keep yeah. seeing, seeing Tom Sawyer. What venue was that? Were you uh, it was Vancouver? the Imperial down on like off Hastings on yeah, Main. It was on I was on Main, about half a block from Hastings. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. club though. That was a great night. Nice crowd. Wonderful. Yeah, you were far away in Japan, Shane. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure if I ever played that club though when I was there. Zach was there that? That's yeah. Zach and uh, and Jeff. It was a it was a it was a fun night. It's really fun, yeah. It was, uh, you know, really do you know that Jeff played with me uh, on a Shania gig? Yes, oh. we did. <laughs> As, <laughs> what? Yeah. We, we played at the at the Junos in 1997, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. played the Juno Awards in Vancouver together at uh, GM Place. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. 1997. It was wow. back when we needed another, another guitar player still. Yeah. And I, I told the story about Peter Fredek. Uh, he was vying for the same position that you were. Okay. And I got both of you your auditions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that. I mean, I come walking in, I'm like six foot four, right? There was, Shania looked at me and she went, boy, you're big. <laughs> well, because she's, she's quite short, right? Yeah, she's a tiny little thing. That happens yeah. to me all the time, too. People are yeah. always like, you're, you're too tall to audition for anything because everybody's normal, you know, normal size. And then there's yeah. guys like me and you who are like, that who's, was the, fun. who's the tree on stage? Why is, you know... Yeah, so we, was, we played still the one, right? Was that what yeah, it was? We played still the one, yeah. And yeah. and and uh, I mean, the, all her management—they were so classy. They were so nice to me. The big thrill was meeting Mutt for me. Was yeah. meeting Mutt. Let her people go. How was Shania? I said, I don't know. I was kept staring at her husband, <laughs> freaking out over Mutt. <laughs> yeah, I was freaking out over him. And he comes up. He goes, "Hi, I'm Mutt." I go, "I'm Jeff." <laughs> that's so cool it's pretty anyways, cool he was a lovely he was a, he, it was just so nice to meet him that was a that was a fun experience that one doing that one you know it's just and, yeah. and, and you know like what a, what a great band that was that you were playing with at that time totally and you had totally. some crazy experiences when I think about it it's like not just you know even just doing a, a Shania one-off gig plus Australia plus the south of France plus street art plus all these things it's a it's a hell of a story you know I mean, yeah it's, and it's yeah. the best thing about it is that that story is actually not even close to over which I think is very exciting yeah no we like to think I mean there's I we definitely have a lot of time behind us but we still have lots of time in front of us one of the reasons I came to Vancouver as I said to the guys I said guys we can't think in terms of decades anymore we have yeah. to think in terms of years yeah I mean mm. You know, we can be as cavalier as we want to, but I w I've been making records for 40 years. So yeah. you can pretty much guess where my age is at. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, so I don't have another 40 years in front of me. If I do, I'm going to be the oldest man on the planet playing rock and roll guitar. <laughs> uh, uh, so we need to make the most of our time now. Of you know, so, yeah. so this year has been a tough one because like it is for a number of our colleagues, Absolutely. Uh, health. Yeah. You know, um, you guys are 
considerably younger than than us, and that decade is an enormous amount of time. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so I, being, uh, I'm a few blocks ahead of you guys. I'll tell you how it goes. You look like a spring chicken. Yeah, I feel battered. I'm doing okay. You know, I, I've. Uh, uh, you know, it's you just you get you, your, you, can, you do the best you can with yourself. Kept you, your hair. That's important. Did you get your yeah. colono- colonoscopy? <laughs> I, I, I just finished it. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's Was the anesthesia procedure free? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. You know, so far uh, health has been good. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm grateful for that. Uh, uh, you know, and. Um, all things being uh, rolling a good way, we're going to continue to keep going on for quite a while. Uh, I, you know, I, you know, everybody's in good shape. You know, we're all everybody's yeah. healthy, everybody's clean. Um, yeah. I think we've got health going for us, and we've got great fans. Yeah. We're in good shape. And you chose a great a great partner now because she's a doctor or something, right? Yes, she is. Yes, Renata says to me, Jeff. You know, when we first started dating, she's going, I, I'm going, I don't need a girl. I, I, I just, I don't need a girl. She said, Jeff, I'm the perfect girlfriend. I live in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, she's super cool. She said, she says, I, I'm 12 years younger than you, and I'm a doctor. You're going to need me in about 20 years. <laughs> yes. so like, yeah, okay, that's good. No, and she is an, she's an amazing gal, and she's one of the big reasons why I'm in the city, too. Nice. And, and again, she's just one of the most finest people I've ever met in my life, so I'm very grateful for that. Please say hi for, for us. I, I will, and you know how much she loves, she loves all you guys, too. And I'm sure she's watching. I chat with her at the gig. Yeah. Our little gig Fantastic, there. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, a, she, yeah, yeah, she's uh, never, she's, she's the same every day. She's always incredibly upbeat and happy and positive. And she, I've never, uh, I've never met anyone more supportive, you know, uh, and I'm, incredibly grateful for that i mean at this point in your life to have that kind of support we all know what that means as players having that kind of support at home is really something can we also applaud renata because she is absolutely a frontline worker and has been this entire time yes she is yes she's been there every day she's you know and 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 you know it's she would just tell you know practice excellent hand washing keep your distance you know and just do the right thing I mean, I think Manitoba, along with many other parts in, uh, in Canada across the world, have done great work just staying away. They haven't overwhelmed, which is probably already an overwhelmed health system. You know, health system never gets enough government money, in my opinion. No. So, you know, a COVID outbreak would just tax a system that's just hanging on. So, yeah. you know, kudos to, kudos to Manitoba for having just over 300 cases. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. And you know, when I came up uh, across the border, it was mandatory. We talked about this a couple times in these two talks. 14-day quarantine, and the the government is strict on it. And I'm very thankful that they were enforcing that on me and everyone else when you enter the country. It's like, no, we're going to, this is very important, you know, coming out from from another place, and you need to quarantine. And, And I did. And yeah, so I'm glad we're, that we're a lot doing of that in other people in this country are not doing the same, though. That's the thing. So, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's it's. Uh, I know that I, I when I drove 
uh, in, uh, at the end of April, when I came here at the end of April, when I crossed over the border from Saskatchewan into Manitoba, they funneled the cars through a little sort of rest area. Oh, and there was an officer there with his with a colleague who was, you know, had his was a his PBC on, and the officer was very friendly. He said, "Welcome to Manitoba. What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm moving here." He said, "Okay, you know, you have to quarantine for 14 days." And they handed me a little sheet of paper with just some instructions on it, and very yeah, nice. Yeah. But but they just they were just checking. It was the it was actually the only. It was the only stop on any of the borders between BC, Alberta, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. That was the only place where I was stopped. Huh. So how many? How long you been in Winnipeg now? I think we. Uh, I came here at the end. I've, I've been here for essentially two months now. Okay, great. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Get, you know, I'm getting settled, uh, getting my place together, painting. Uh, you know, get the studio. The big, the big day was when I got fired up the studio and. Flip, you, know, flip, you know, flipped up a session and went. Yeah, yeah, you're it's back, alive. baby. <laughs> it's alive. That is fantastic. Yeah. We uh, we want to thank you, yeah. Jeff, for being on the show today. And uh, we've got we've got yeah. a yeah. Um, a bit of a video here, and hopefully we'll get through this. Not like uh, Kim Mitchell's people, but uh, when you guys uh, all got together at the Tuke CD <laughs> release party, you came up and uh, joined the guys on stage for an acoustic rendition of Snow White, amongst other songs. So we're going to leave everybody yeah. with with that today. Um, looking forward to seeing what uh, Street Heart has for us in the upcoming months and years. And, uh, and again, we want to thanks for thank you for being on today. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, thank yeah, thanks, Jeff. Thank you Jeff. Brent, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, love you guys. All the love best. You too, man. Stay safe, brothers. Yeah, level there and everything. You good? I'm good. All good to go. Do you want to count us in? Because it's you know it's your song. One, two, three. Sing it with me.